You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Hey, hey, this beat go hard. <laughs> yes, it do. Maybe because it's just Black Guy Therapy, and I just think this whole everything we do goes hard. Right, right. So at least trying to go hard <laughs> in the paint. Yeah. <laughs> A little biased. You're very biased. I'm not a little biased. I am all about this. Uh, welcome to Black Guy Therapy, everybody. If this is your first time listening to us, know that we are a therapeutic podcast. Um, and it's just like it is in our name, Black Guy Therapy with Therapeutic Podcast. Uh, we are a podcast uh, designed for black men to vent uh, about issues that generally they don't talk about uh, in their daily lives, right? Yeah. Um, I, didn't even, I didn't even say hello, Joel. I usually say hello. Sorry, right, man. I went straight into it today. That's because we just was looking at each other a minute ago. That's we, probably why. Probably, <laughs> and 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 you know, some the conversation we was having, I was I was trying to get myself in the right frame of mind. Right. right, right <laughs> so right. I forgot everything oh, else. We get, well, well, hello, sir. How are you? And you know, I'm all right. Good. Doing okay. Yeah, we missing our brother though. We are. We are missing Henry, our favorite guest. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we know he's listening. Yeah. Um, and I know he, and I know that he's listening because uh, he's he's even told me like, man, I didn't see uh, y'all post a new episode because it pops up on my phone. Right. So, yep. <laughs> so I know that he's listening. Yep. Um, while he's while he's doing uh, what he's doing. Yeah. So, um, Henry, we'd like to see you back here soon. Um, but we understand, understand. and congratulations congrats, on the my brother. Congrats. So, so anyway, um, again, this is your first time listening to us. We usually take a topic. Uh, we pick a uh, we pick a topic every week and we discuss it. And like I said, it's it's something that 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 will either affect black people or black men in general. Mm-hmm. And again, it's usually something that's kind of an unpopular opinion right. type. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Topic. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do here. And uh, Joe, I think there was something on your mind that you wanted to kind of talk about today. And we'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and let me preface by saying you're right. Like it's it's black guy therapy. So it's meant for us. Yep. But we know that a lot of the issues we face aren't exclusive to us, but to a lot of majority, if not all people of color yeah. are dealing with the same stuff. No but the it. beauty, the beauty of this show is, uh, and this platform is, anybody can learn from it. Yep. So, and that's that's kind of the hope. We want to speak to our brothers and sisters, but we also want to speak to everybody else who's willing to listen and hear and learn. Yes. And and understanding, especially when it comes to interaction, because when you're not familiar with the culture and you're trying to interact, if you don't have some of those tools, it's going to be a, this foreign concept, and it's going to be very difficult to break down those walls on either side so hopefully we're we're helping to break down some walls with the stuff we talk about even though it is really difficult for people to to accept and deal with sometimes no doubt about it so that being said i i think we do a really good job of talking about some things that that go on but i wanted to kind of shift gears just a little bit and try to be a little proactive as far as providing some steps uh, warning signs and things you can actually do. So the the question, if, if it has to be topic based, the question I would ask to kind of kick things off is what do you do as a person of color or otherwise if you suspect racism? Very broad topic, but what I want to do is kind of break it down so we can talk about the job, which is probably the easiest thing to talk about because that happens probably more frequently than anything else because you spend majority of your time at your job, not just there, but retail. When you're going shopping at a, at a store or a mall, what is the interaction like with the folks that are working in those stores, specifically if they're of another culture? And then the other patrons, how do they treat you when you're uh, involved with a uh, officer of the law or in, in a military position? What do you do? If you're involved in a relationship, uh, and I, I was talking about this off air, but friend of mine, ex-wife is white, current fiance is white. His ex-wife had a, a, a grandmother and an uncle who didn't like black people and didn't want anything to do with them or the kids because they didn't like black people. And that that's some deep-rooted hate right there. Seriously deep-rooted. Now, I think eventually, because children have a way of changing things, yeah. I think eventually they kind of loosened up on it a little bit, but just knowing that 
there's a good chance, you know, if you're dealing with somebody of this culture, there's somebody in that family that does not like you. It's no, a no very, very it. good chance. So how do you, how do you, what do you do if you suspect that? And then the other question I would ask is, are we, we know America is hypersensitive, but are we as people of color overly sensitive to everything that seems like it could be racist? Because just because you suspect it to be a, a racially motivated situation doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it is. So how do you discern between the two? Are we wrong for being overly sensitive because of how bad it's been? Just kind of want to unpack all of that. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be. Ooh, where do you start there? Um, what do you do when you suspect it? Well, let's let's just let's start at one spot here. Let's talk about on the job. Okay. So on the job, and I'm gonna ask you first. Okay. If you suspect racism mm-hmm. in your in your daily job uh, daily job duties, what do is there? What would you do? What is your protocol? So I had a I had a situation like that, and it was it, it actually made me mad, not because it was directed towards me. But I, I think they had gotten so comfortable with me that the real started to come out and the stuff that they would say or the questions they would ask or the innuendos that they would make. I was like, you realize I'm, I'm, I'm a black man, right? So what you're saying is ignorant. So I, I found myself a lot of times calling people out, calling them to the carpet and making them feel as bad as they could about whatever it was and not just bad. Like you, you're so mean, but no, you're ignorant. Yeah. And you're being disrespectful. I've been working here all this time. How do you really feel about me? Cause now I'm questioning it. And I found myself a lot of times, and this is when I worked at men's warehouse. I have no problems putting people and things on blast like that. I worked men's warehouse in the mall, cool Springs. And a lot of the employees there consistently, made little little racially motivated jokes. And it wasn't always towards black people, but I I feel like they did it towards our Hispanic brothers and sisters all the time. Okay. Uh, and then every once in a while, Africans would come in, uh, and then Middle Eastern, specifically, you know, we have a high Kurdish population here in Tennessee. Yes. So anytime somebody came in like that, they'd be like, oh God, here we go. You know, it, it all, and it just, it burned me up. So, that was the first thing that I did is I would always call people to the table and I would always make them realize how impactful it was because we had a relationship. I, I was there, I worked part-time for like seven years. So we had a, a relationship enough where I could make them feel guilty because I could always say, what do you, what do you say about me when I'm not around? What do you say about people that look like me when I'm not around? Now think about that before you say something stupid about somebody else, you know, somebody, that doesn't fit this what you're this this picture you're trying to create. So why would you just naturally make this the case with every other culture that comes in here? So that was the first thing that I always do. Second thing is I would always remove myself from the situation. I would make it known that I was not happy, and then I would I wouldn't sit there and smile with them. I would remove myself altogether. Now because it was never anything that was done towards me, I never had to escalate it to another level and make something happen. So I, there is where it kind of stops for me. I don't know what you would do at that point. So I, I can definitely talk about the passion I felt for other people, but I never had it happen where I was like, all right, this is happening because I'm black. Right. Okay. And, that, and I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. And obviously you are a person who's like, look, I'm, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to let this ride. I'm going to go ahead and tell you mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah. I am the same way now. I work in state government, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little different. The hierarchy of state yeah. government is, it's very, it's like tread water, right. right? Which some days it's really, really good. Some days it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little different being um, a person of color in a government system yeah. because it's, you, you can't, there, there's no way I could go, like you, if you're in men's warehouse and those and somebody says something slick, I can't, I can't retaliate like you would, right? Because then I'm hostile, right? Right, and then, well, so and so is being hostile, and then they go supervisor, and then I'm getting called, and then I get some write up, right? right. 
Right. And, and it's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I have done and one thing that I've been known to do, um, because this is just me and I document everything. So yes. I have in, in, in my phone in one of my phones, cause I have a handful of phones in one of my phones. Uh, I have every instance where I have felt that something was either racially motivated or where I just felt that I was discriminated against because of um, either my skin color or my age. Yeah. Because, and and obviously 40 is a protected class. You're a protected class now. You know that? That's what's up. Yeah, you're in a protected class. I am not. But, <laughs> um, you know, I work with a lot of people who are older, who, you know, that old school mentality says, get your, get your experience and we'll bring you up through the ranks. Yeah. So, you know, there have been instances where I felt like I've been looked over because of X, Y, and Z. Right. But I document all those things. That's really good. That's yeah. a good call right there. Yeah, because if you document it, when when you do bring it up, it, you know, there's, there's nothing they can say. Right. Right? It's like, okay, well, I know on this day, this day, this day, this person did this. So, I mean, what do you do? Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Especially when you've got multiple instances yeah. like that it's one thing if you got one situation that can be debated oh. but when you got five ten fifteen things documented exactly i document everything that is that is one thing that i do in the workplace that protects me nice and not only does it protect me it protects other people who look like me because now if you know that i'm documenting everything mm-hmm. you're gonna be less likely less likely to say something around me now if you you can be around your other friends and say whatever you want, mm-hmm. but I know you're not going to say it around me. Right. So, so I'll say this then, because what I wanted, what, one of the things I wanted to do is come up with some things to share, pieces of advice. That right there is probably the best piece of advice I could give anybody in a workplace setting. Document, document, document. Listen to that, people. Document. Yes, it takes a little bit of work. Yep. It takes a little effort. But. CYA is something that they tell you all the time. Make sure you are covering yours at all times. Yep. Now, on the flip side, the morality piece, that's that's the doing it by the book piece. But the morality piece is do not be, uh, uh, as they say in church, a pew ornament. Don't just sit there and not do anything. If you see something, say something. Do not allow issues or, or racially motivated instances in a workplace to go unchecked. Yeah. The off color jokes, things like that. You can't go for that once. Cause you go for it once. Now yeah, there's yeah, an expectation. The yes. Yeah. You set a precedent. So don't do that. So those are the two things I would say immediately are the takeaways from suspecting racism in a work environment. Now let me flip it. How do you actually know that it's truly racism? So that that's a good question, and I think my answer to that would be, if you've known this person and you've worked with this person, I mean, obviously, if you work with somebody for for three four years, you you probably know them, especially if you're spending eight hours a day with them, right? Yeah. So you gonna know what's what's their norm and what's not their norm. Mm-hmm. So there's people that I've worked with for you know three four five six years, I know their norm. And I know when they're stepping out of line. Right. Now, if they step out of line, I will check them. I'll check them, but I also document. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, you just have to know. I, I think you have to know the person. Because if you don't know the person, then you might screw yourself. Yeah. But, but I always wonder because, you know, there are some people. You ever had those people you work with and somebody says something slick and you're like, well, that's so-and-so. That's just how that's he just is. That's just how they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. See, and that's that's the problem yes. for me because, like you said, if you let it go unchecked, then they say whatever they want. Right now, I, let me go back and say this: the fed or the government is one of the largest employers. Um, like I think in the top three, maybe top two um, employers of people of color. Did you know that? We kind of talked about that. Yeah. So y- you think about this, even though they they hire a bunch of us. There's still a bunch of, you know, it's still dominated by like white people, Caucasian right. people, right? right? 
Um, men specifically. Men, yes, men specifically. Mm-hmm. And the the culture, I feel like the culture is this is what this is how we always operate. This is what we've always done. And then when you throw you know people of color in the mix, it, essentially it's it's almost like well I'm just happy to be here. Right. And because I'm happy to be here, I don't want to lose this good paying job. And, you know, I got other things. So I just I try to stay out of that. Yep. And see, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what I can't deal with because um, I, I'm just not I'm not wired that way. Maybe it's because I'm a millennial and, you know, millennials, we, we operate a little differently. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it, it's funny. I've, I've told people about stuff that, that's going on at my job. And I like just don't say nothing about that. You just just keep keep your head down and keep pushing. Class. Don't don't let don't let one monkey stop your your show, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I'm gonna let this monkey yeah. stop my show because this monkey is wrong. This yes. monkey doesn't need to be here. <laughs> so, yes. um, I think at the end of the day, it's hard because you're battling. It, it's it's a generational gap there. You're you're yeah. battling the, the old versus the new, yep. and it's it's just tough it to, is. to to navigate. It is. So, and, and I'll say this, uh, anybody who, who understands. So I, I used to like, uh, some of the police shows, it was one, uh, criminal minds. I used to lo- used to love that show. And what's interesting about criminal minds is that you're like, man, how do these people be so brilliant? They figure this stuff out. But when you, when you think about it to work in that profession, you have to pay attention to the smallest details that most people aren't paying attention to. You also have to trust your gut. I bring that up because when it comes to racism, sometimes you have to trust your gut. We've seen it enough times to know that it's real. Yeah. So that means you shouldn't just continually question yourself. If something feels wrong, it probably is. Yeah. And in a workplace, especially if it's to your point in in government, I would imagine that all the positions of authority and true power are men of our Caucasian men? I, well, in my at least where I work, yes, and what I see, yes, there there is zero color at the top, and and we're in the South, yeah. So just being honest about where we are, to have to keep all of this in context, it's a good chance. Just like we said with my friend that was married to the white woman and had the people in her family that did not like black people, it's a good chance that some of the people in those positions of power don't like black people it's it's a very good chance it's a very good chance which is unfortunate so that means when stuff happens and it looks strange as they say if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck probably is so trusting your instincts and your gut and then watching the other thing that i know people do in their jobs far too often is they talk they're always talking always and they're not listening enough if people would sometimes just shut up and let people talk what you just said earlier, which is you get to know the people you get to know by listening, yep. not by talking. Sometimes when you're at work, just shut up and listen. You don't have to be a hermit and stuck in your little shell and keep your head down, do your work. And yeah. You can interact with people, but do less talking and more listening. People will tell you everything you need to know about them. Yep. Just in the daily conversation. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And it's crazy. You know, working in government, you have. Let's just say this working in government. If you're walking into a building and the TV is on, it's it's especially in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I'm using Tennessee because I know Tennessee because I'm here. Right. Um, You may see Fox News on 90 percent or 99 percent of the time on the channel. Right Mm. now, let's think about Fox News. Well, this is this is Todd's opinion, I think. Fox News is a is a propaganda pusher. That is my humble opinion. <laughs> so um, I'm going to back you with that. Yeah. And, and that's just my opinion. But when you when you when you see and that's how I judge any building I walk into and I see that I already have this this notion of what I am going to deal with. Yes. And who I am going to deal yes. with. Yes. Because if this is what I am seeing, then I already know what I can expect yes which i hate to i hate to say that right but in my experience it's true you, you, and i want to i want to pause right there so one of the things that i don't like is when people tell you about keeping an open mind and not judging a book by its cover and things like that 
we have to we got to stop living in a dream world. That is not reality. Every time you come into contact with the person. See, first off, we use the term judge wrong. Because a judge takes evidence that's provided by lawyers on both sides and has to weigh the evidence. That's what a judge does. That's how he comes to his decision or his verdict. Right. When I'm looking at you, I'm only using the evidence that you're giving me. It's not a judgment like I just decided to go and make something up. I'm looking at you and the only thing I have is what you're giving me. That's not that's not the same type of judgment that people try to use when, you know, I'll give a great example. Social media. You get a girl on there twerking and people calling her a thought or a hoe. And she's mad saying she's being disrespected. All you're giving me, the evidence that I have is right here. I'm basing my opinion off of this right here. What's in front of me. So in in her doing that dance, which could be a tribal African dance, Mm because that is how our people danced Mm -hmm. back then. And Mm -hmm. it said something about us, right? Yeah. But because of what it has evolved to today. Yes. People have this preconceived notion about Absolutely. that young lady. Absolutely. So it's, it's always funny to me, uh, and, and I know we're deviating here, but I, I want to touch this because I think it's important to say as well. Yeah. Um, be, because, again, we're talking about using your your good senses at yeah, some point. This is, dude, this is what this is for. W- one of the things that I would call my people to the table to be a little bit more accountable of is this right. This thing we're talking about right here. If. Every time there's a, a, a photo taken of you, it's a certain way, then that's what people are going to think. You can be just as sexy, just as appealing without showing everything. And I know I'm sounding like a 40 year old now, but it, it's true. Like even when even 10, 15 years ago, I was like, man, that's ridiculous. I'm not attracted to that. I just never was. Yeah. So not bringing that back. I'm using my good sense paying attention to the evidence that's given to me in your workplace. You got to pay attention to what's being given to you. You got to shut up and listen, shut up and watch. And when you get the evidence, believe it. Yeah. So that that's what I would say. And then as far as proactive steps, what can you do if you suspect it? I think what Todd said, what you said is, is probably the most brilliant thing document. Oh yeah. And, and don't just document what was done. Document what you did also. Yep. Because that way they know, oh, well, he's not trying to get over. He said, yeah, he called him a redneck, yep. <laughs> you know, as, as the, you know, because he was upset. Be honest. Document everything. Yeah. I date time. I say what happened. Mm-hmm. And I say all parties involved. Yes. That's how I, that's how I document yes. every time. So if you're listening, if you're suspecting that in the workplace, Take those steps. Those are the action items for that. Now, I don't know anything about military, but I I would like to know from your perspective in military, because the rules of engagement are different there, too. Oh, yes, surely are. If you suspect racism in the military, number one, what do you do? Number two, is there anything you can do? Yeah, you can report it. They they want you to report that. Okay, that is something in in each whatever unit you're attached to you have a um oh i forget it's some, some type of liaison liaison and you just go tell that person hey this is what happened okay and then they go from there gotcha so they the military doesn't play that game if you if you're being disrespected they they take it pretty seriously so i know it, again as time has progressed we've gotten really heavy on the bully culture so i i i and maybe an unfair comparison, but I liken fraternities and hazing to boot camp. What, what kind of the, the activities, you know, how they will, you people be all in, and there's nothing yeah. you can do really. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's you're being told what to do, spoken to any kind of way. And there's nothing you can do about it because you chose to yeah. sign up to be a part of this. Yeah. That's changed if I'm not mistaken. Right. Well, well, <laughs> Now I went through boot camp seven, is it seven, eight, almost 10 years okay. ago, closer to 10. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I think seven, seven years ago. And it was different then. And apparently now it's way different. Really? 
I don't know because I, you know, I have. It's been a while since I've been out. I've heard that they've changed the whole dynamic of how they yell at people, how they do things. What I have been told is that it is more soft, and I I put air quotes soft, yeah. but they're they're catering a little bit more to to the 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 recruits versus what used to happen. Okay, right and. You know, some people think it's soft, but I think that that's, I think that that's a good thing because now you're you're showing these people that you actually care about them, mm-hmm. and if you show me you care about me, then I may work a little harder for you. Right. So, right. But yeah, it's a it's a, and obviously you're under a different you're under a different system, right? Like out here we under the regular system, but right. you're in the military, you you follow under the UCMJ, right? Uniform Code of Military Justice. Okay. And it's a totally different. And more harsh system. Okay. If you get something, you know, you mess up and you get charged or, you know, you do anything crazy and get kicked out. Like, if you get that dishonorable discharge, it's just like having a felony on your record. Really? Yeah, it's, it's that serious. Like, people won't hire you for, for if they, oh, he got dishonorably discharged. It's almost like having a felony. So, so again, just being honest here. Yeah. I would imagine that all high-ranking officials for the most part, in the military, are the same high-ranking positions in government and in business, white men. So if there's an instance where there's suspected racism and you go to your liaison and and report it, what's the likelihood that there's, there's going to be protection for the person from somebody above? So, and that's the, I think there, there's a, there's a retaliation they can't retaliate against you. Mm. I think there's, there's something in there about retaliation. Okay. And if you suspect retaliation, you can report that too. And then you got a whole nother, you know. Gotcha. Um, it's it's different. Now, I've never had to go through the process um, because, thank God, I've never felt like I've been discriminated against or somebody just, you know, talking out of line to me. Right. And, um, but, you know, I, 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 I did work with some people who felt like, these dudes was picking on me because I was black. I, I and at that time nobody they didn't report it because you you don't want that. It's the fear of retaliation, yes. right? You don't yes. want that. But um, the times have changed. So if you feel that that um, you know you you've been done wrong, you can report it. Which is yeah. funny. So and and quick story. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in boot camp, when I got out of boot camp, I got assigned to the base. Uh, the training center, the boot camp, the, the boot camp place, right? Okay. And one of my um, company commanders, this guy was a white guy, mm-hmm. but he was married to a black woman. Okay. Had two black kids. Real cool white dude, right? Um, dude named Barry. Uh, now, there was a guy. Now, Barry was, he's a true company commander. He's in your face yelling, but it's not, it's nothing personal. He's just doing his job, right? right. He's supposed to yell at you. He's supposed right. to stress you out because he's, supposed to put you in this type Create of situation that environment yeah yeah so there was a black kid and i'm thinking this black kid probably came from a background of privilege and he's yelling at him and he's on him because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and this kid reports the, the company commander f- for racism mm. and you know, it, it it's funny because he he talked to me. He's like, man, this kid reported me for racism. He's like, I'm, I'm not racist. Like, he's like, my wife is my wife is black. I got two black kids. I'm just doing my job. You know, so it it's just different. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just yeah. different. Some people feel that you know, th- there's always these different feelings. Some people feel one way, and some people feel another. So I want to share a story and to kind of piggyback off of yours. But we'll. How close are we to break? Uh, you got 30 seconds. Can you get it done I'll in 30 hold, seconds? Nah, I'll hold on to it till after the break. All right, well, we'll take this break, and then we'll come back. All right. Hey, 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 let the music baby out. <laughs> hey, we back. Yes, sir. Welcome back. To black at therapy so before we went on break you wanted to tell a story but you didn't think you could get it done in 30 seconds 
Now you got 30 minutes. Good. Go ahead. <laughs> so you were just telling the story about uh, Barry. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend. We had a job. We worked together back in Michigan. We were we were young. Uh, it was uh, this this kid's place, kind of like it was like a Chuck E. Cheese, but it was a different franchise. So okay. Now my friend lived super far away from the place and didn't have really reliable transportation. So when he'd be on schedule to work, like sometimes he may not be able to get there because the transportation was messed up. And I remember the day they were they were fire they were firing him. And he was mad, and the instinctive reaction was to talk about racism, that they was being racist. And I remember even even as a part of his retaliation, he was saying he's going to take him to court. And of course, this is my guy, so I'm riding with him. Right on you, this, you you gassing him up. <laughs> I'm, I'm with him. I'm like, I got him. Like, hey, nah, y'all tripping, you know? But afterwards, I thought about. It, I was like, they weren't being racist. You were on shift. Several times and didn't make it to your shift. Now, the reason was legit. But just like any other area of life, if <laughs> you can't make it when you're supposed to be there, yeah. you ain't going to be there alone. Right. But that's it's such a natural response for us. So that's why I asked the question, are we oversensitive as a culture? Because it, it's kind of like a default. And I, so I don't excuse white folks at all. But some when white folks say stuff like it, it's like a trump card that we use sometimes playing the black card. Yeah, it it's happened. You can't even deny it's happened. I've seen it happen personally where somebody accused somebody of racism, and they were the ones in the wrong. Like ain't nobody do nothing. You did something. If you didn't do what you did, none of this would be happening right now. So I'm I'm kind of torn on on where to draw the line with my folks. So who and. And just thinking about all the people that you know who have tried that, mm-hmm. who have pulled the the racism card, it ain't mm-hmm. it ain't me, it's them. What type of people were they? In, in the grand scheme of things, when in, in terms of, you, you know, you work with this guy, like you again, you, you learn a little bit about a person. Yeah, no, this is somebody I grew up with. This is a, one of my good friends. Okay, so it was a good dude, but I, in his case, at the t- we were young, like I said, yeah. we were super young, like high school. So I'm pretty sure his motivation was based off of what what he was being taught at home. Right. To your point, though, as I got older, every time I saw an instance like that, it was somebody who was trying to get over. Generally, that's all how the it time. Is. Generally, like in my experience, and I can only speak from my experience, mm-hmm. but in my experience, when I see stuff like that, it is generally the same type of people yeah. who are always trying to get over on yeah. the system. Yep. So. Yep. So that that's very true. So I guess for that is just properly discerning. So before we take sides on a matter, properly discerning and looking at who the person is. And if you don't have uh, a perspective into that person or enough information, just be quiet, sit it out. Cause we, we like to bang hard for our people from yeah. a distance without knowing everything. I had another friend actually that, um, he was saying he, he was basically telling me that I was wrong because I said, if you do something, I'm not going to just go bang with you just because like, nah, that's not happening. I'm older now. Yeah. Got a wife, got kids. I'm, that ain't what I do. No. And he was saying that I was I was I was not the same. I I, I was I was cha- I changed. Oh, bro, you get right. Bro, you ain't the same. You, bro, you change. You, yep. yeah, yeah, I know that. And I'm like. No, I just, I grew up, I evolved. evolved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you didn't. You're still talking the same talk, doing the same stuff. Now, you're doing some good stuff, too, but you cannot shake this part of where we came from. And that's unfortunate to the point where you're calling me out to the table, putting me trying to put me on blast, I guess, yeah. about how real I am because you're going to ride with your homie regardless on at first then once the situation is over and you're on the other side of it, then you're going to talk about it like, well, why you do that? It's like, no, that's stupid. Yeah. Because while you banging something happened to you, you got to go down. You got to do a bid for your homie. You're just going to take it just because that's your homie. As opposed to I'm, I'm not a part of this at all. Yeah. No, nah, you want to do this. That's on you. I'm not doing it. Right. And then if we lose our friendship over that, then we're not friends for real anyway. Yeah. So let me, I want to circle back around to, are we hypersensitive to it, mm-hmm. right? So that that makes me think of a few different things. Okay. So full disclosure, like I am back in school working on another 
bachelor degree in African studies mm-hmm. because it's free and why not go back right. to school if it's free, right? <laughs> right. Um, at the University of Memphis, go Tigers. Oh man. <laughs> I'm one of those people now. Um so in in one of my classes we had a question. And we talked a little bit about this, but the question was, do you think that there is systemic discrimination in our criminal justice system? Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to answer the question, but let me give some context here. Based on what you just said, Mm -hmm. are we being hypersensitive? So, and then going back to the question, is there there discrimination? I think that there is, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that throughout history, we have seen the processes that, that, that make this happen. And because throughout history, you know, our parents, our grandparents, their grandparents, their parents, they all went through that type of trauma and those type of systems, yep. then that is what they know. And they're going to be hypersensitive right. to it because that is what they've seen. Yep. And anything that looks like it, even if it's not on the surface, right? They're going to call it that. They're going to call it that because yeah. that is what they know. Mm-hmm. So are we being hypersensitive to it? In my opinion, no. I think we are sensitive to it because we know, but I don't, I, well, well, let me rephrase it. Maybe we are being hypersensitive because we, we've seen it so much. Yeah. So we call a spade a spade. If we right. see it, it's like, no, that's what that is. Yeah. That happened to Jojo and them back in 79 right. and, and Uncle Bo- oh, Uncle Billy Joe and you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, do you think that based on what we've seen throughout history, what we've seen throughout um, our our justice system, what we see throughout the laws that are created in daily life um, that are supposed to govern us. Do you think that that um, seeing those things and looking into them has made us hypersensitive? Yeah, well, I, that was where I was going earlier. Was yes, we're one hundred percent hypersensitive, but it's justified. That's the sad part. So bullying, they they we've, we've gotten also really hypersensitive as a culture. Uh, the the human culture really, but more specifically America, uh, about bullying. And I remember one of my one of my cousin's kids was saying that this boy was bullying her at school, and she was telling me the story. And I'm like, that ain't bullying. He just ain't want to mess with you. He he wasn't <laughs> interested in talking to you, dealing with you at that time as as, yeah. as kids. But the word has been pushed around so much that that was the word. That's what she used, and that's what she thought was happening. She thought she was being bullied. The truth is. We have been oppressed. So let's talk about the Emancipation Proclamation and what it supposedly did. Mm-hmm. Then that was supposed to give freedom to slaves. And then you developed the slave patrols and you noticed a very, very quick switch. Prisons at the time were 100% white. Yep. Because there was no need to, ins- to put a slave in jail. You kill him or you beat him and you get right. Yeah. You didn't have to put him in jail. So jails were all white. After the Emancipation Proclamation, you saw this massive shift from it being all white to almost all black. That right there is all you need to know. Yeah. So the system, as far as criminal justice, has been rigged against us since slavery was. I don't want anyone to say that it was ended because it just it just shifted. It morphed into something else. Yeah. Because, I mean, under the 13th Amendment, you can still be enslaved. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, which is crazy. You brought up the, you know, you, you say that you know, the, emancip- the, the jails were all white. You had the Emancipation Proclamation. And after that, the jails turned. Um, it's funny because I was just talking about this. And I was saying, hey, look, you know, you had this shift. Once the once enslaved persons were free, mm-hmm. um, one of the n- very next things that happened is that legislators started creating loitering laws so if if you're if you're black and in the south Mm -hmm. and you don't have a job because nobody's gonna hire you right got a house more than likely, right and you don't so what do you do you're 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 just out right so now you're technically loitering Loitering. absolutely so now i arrest you for loitering then you go to jail you don't have enough you don't have any money to pay bail right Mm -hmm. so now you're in the jail now you're in the system Mm -hmm. and well, you broke the law. Loitering carries this sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send you back to um, Johnny Joe's plantation, plantation 
to and work off. You're going to work off yep. your 10 years at yep. the plantation. So yep. now you've, you've essentially reentered what you left. So, and it was legal to do. Apps. So to answer your question, yes, we're hypersensitive to answer your other question about the, the justice system. Yes, it is systemically been, we've been pitted against that system. So in the justice, do you think the justice system has made us this way? Yes. The justice, so the justice system has made us hypersensitive to all situations that have to deal with us and race. So let me, let me, let me go on a, a more granular level than that. I've said it about three times already. The same folks that are in control in the government, in the military, and in the workplace are the same ones over the justice system. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? I mean, for the can, most we part, can, we can look at TV and see what's going <laughs> on, right? So what I would say instead of the system, the people behind the system made us that way. So for those white folks that for whatever reason hated my friend's kids and him because they mar- he married their daughter, their gra- I mean their niece and their granddaughter are the same folks that created those loitering laws because they knew we didn't have a place to go so they had to create a a a back a back end way to maintain slavery legally so you create an amendment and in the verbiage you say you're everybody is free except for this then you create laws so that this happens to the same people who just came out of that slavery yeah so yes yes it's not the system the system was created by a person yeah we never need to lose sight of that no system exists without somebody pushing that system. So I look at the people behind the system and it's not all white folks, but there are some white folks who did not want us to be on this planet. Yeah. And they created this system since they couldn't just make us vanish. They created this system to put us where we are. And we have become hypersensitive. As you said, what they did to uh, Mildred and, and Billy Joe, Billy mm-hmm. Joe Bob and all them back in 79 and 84 yep. and, 56 and 43 and 21 through these generations, we've seen it enough that we are. Yes. As soon as we see something that look like it, I've seen that before. Yep. This is what it is. And maybe we could be wrong in some instances, but again, I talk basic psychology. When you're talking psychology, you have exceptions and rules. Psychology ain't never going to talk about the exception. They're always going to talk about the rule because when you're doing a case study, you're not looking at the hundred people that you tested. You're not looking at the one. You're looking yeah. at the ninety-nine. Yep. So nine times out of ten, if it looks like racism, it probably is. I think I could agree with that. I think I can agree with that. And and you know I'm not bashing anybody because you know some people just don't know. Mm-hmm. Because if I grew up and and let's be real, white folks self self segregate themselves. Mm-hmm. We we know that for yeah. a fact, yeah, right. And and it's like Nashville's kind of going through a self segregation phase at this moment. Yes, but I I say that to say if I have self segregated myself, if I'm white and I've self segregated myself and I put myself around everybody that looks like me, mm-hmm. then my children don't they don't when they grow up they don't know no different Mm -hmm. they they gonna like well hell i and i heard this i've heard this a lot i only had one black kid in my school so Mm -hmm. i don't even know you know i've never i don't even know what that experience looks like so literally there's there's some people who out there who just don't know so they may say something ignorant as hell don't even know and they don't even know because in their experience they're like well i hell i didn't know i've never had to deal with your people. So I have no clue. And I liken that to, you know, the, the, the white girls who will be in class and will see the black girl. I'm like, can I touch your hair? Yes. And essentially that is, I, I hate that. Don't touch my hair. Yeah. Right. But still it's like, are, are they being like genuine? Like I, I, I am trying to learn here. Mm-hmm. Like this is a new experience for me or is this something more sinister? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like did my mama, did your mama at at the house say black people's hair is nappy and that shit feels like this and don't ever touch that. Yeah. So now as a child, you're like, oh, well, I want to touch it because I need to know what it's like. Yeah. Or is it, you know, where it's like, well, I've never had an experience with you. My hair grows out of my head straight Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's long. Like, 
what is this? What yeah. does this feel like? How yeah. is this? Like, is it a learning mm-hmm. moment or is it something more sinister? Tied again to that racial anxiety. Yeah. And you never know, right? You never it's know. Like, oh, and no, you, what and, am I dealing with? And honestly, uh, and, and Henry was saying that to me when I told the story about my boss that I invited to my wedding. That was a white guy. And he was saying, well, who is he when he goes home? And I was like, I don't know. And I felt really comfortable standing in the gap for him. Like, nah, this is a good dude. Cause I've yeah. known him so long. And like you said, we, we get to see sides of people and I've seen him at his worst. I've seen him upset, yeah. but I've also seen him have respect for every person that came into that store, regardless of culture. And he would just interact. Now he would, I did notice he would try to kind of emulate that culture. Whoever he was talking to, he would try to emulate it. And I was like, again, in my mind, I was like, now is he being sinister or is he just kind of a goofy guy? Yeah. He's kind of goofy at the same time. So it, it's 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 a weird dynamic when you when you try to understand where somebody else is coming from because you'll never know. Yeah. But when history has shown you what that experience has been like, it's hard for you to give the benefit of the doubt, which leads us to the hypersensitivity. See, and I and and that leads me to to a, a story. So in a place, let's say you work with this guy. Mm-hmm. When you're around him, he's great, mm-hmm. right? He's 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 sensitive to the plight of black people, mm-hmm. you know, da da da. But he invites you to his home, mm-hmm. and then he's got this rebel flag on the wall, right? Right. Well, he's like, oh, but it's a it's a old Civil War. One of my people fought, and yeah. the you know this is a memento. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of history that's been in my family, right? Like you know, how do you how do you navigate something like that, right? right. Because it's like well, hell, you, you seem like you, 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 you connect with me, mm-hmm. but at the same time you invite me to your house and then you disrespect me right. in front of my face. Right. Right. And then you tell me that it's history. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. how do you, and, and I guess that, again, that goes back to our, our episode early. Um, and, and I guess that was season one with racial anxiety. Yeah. You just, you never know. Yeah. It's just, it's, but, but here, and here's the challenge for me. I I have a hard time believing that people don't know because I I would be willing to bet right now that if there was a German inter- immigrant that lived here in America, you worked with them, y'all got developed a relationship where you did come over to their house, and his great great grandfather was alive during the Holocaust. And was in the military under Hitler, which made him a Nazi and had a Nazi flag or the swastika or just any type of uh, Nazi related memorabilia in the home. Yeah. As you said, and in a chest, it could just. But yeah, this is this is my history right here. This is my connection to my ancestry. I'm, I'm displaying it. I have a hard time believing that if they had a Jewish person come to their house that they would have that out. Y'all, they're going to put that up, no doubt. So where I'm going with this is I do still feel like the only culture that continuously gets disrespected under the guise of, oh, I didn't know, or I didn't think it mattered, I didn't think it was a big deal, or it was a long time ago, it's us. We're the only ones that consistently receive that type of disrespect. But we allow it to happen because again, like we've talked about in previous episodes, we're so forgiving. Well, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. But next time, mm-hmm. next time, mm-hmm. don't, don't do that. So what now here's the, here's the teachable moment for the people listening. You go to your friend's house. They've got their rebel flag flying. What do you say? What do you do? And, and, and I say friend loosely, but a person that you have a relationship with, Enough of a relationship where you're willing to go to their home. Oh, we gotta have a conversation. I'm first. I'm gonna say something ignorant as hell because that's that's just me. Mm-hmm. I, that's just type of person I am. I'm like you just you just put up your loser flag on the wall, huh? <laughs> Y'all lost and you just celebrating the loss. I yeah. appreciate it. That's cool. It lets me know what type of person you are. So I'm gonna say something ignorant, make a joke, and then we are gonna see where it goes from there. Right. It may it may turn out bad. It may it may turn out good. I who knows, right? right? Everybody has a different way of dealing with it but that's probably how i would do it depending on how well i knew this person gotcha but at the same time like we've talked about in the past hell i was a i was a a a black white supremacist for a while i was like 
Well, it's just a stupid flag. Who gives it? Who? Nobody cares. I, I, matter of fact, I think I had a rebel flag bell buckle. I was like, yeah, I'm from the country. Da, yeah. da, da. But you know what I'm saying? That's like you country just, folk do, yeah. Yeah. You, you grow, you evolve, you mm-hmm. learn. You're like, oh, hold on. Something ain't right here. I've been taught and I need to be retaught. So yeah. That's um, and I'm I'm glad you said that. I want to pause right there and kind of go over here to the right uh, to talk about a current event and evolution. So recently, uh, I'm sure all, everybody listening knows by now that Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven other people were killed in a helicopter crash crash in in uh, Calabasas, California. And there was a a reporter that came out and just completely white woman just completely was destroying Kobe's character because of what happened in Denver. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And, and she was just, just putting it out there. And, and I, I saw several different, several people's takes on what she said. And, and I would say the majority of them, I didn't see anybody agreeing with the woman. Everybody was basically coming at her, but then there were people, this is how we work sometimes, which bothers me. A lot of black people were killing Kobe for that back then. Yeah. Oh, he messing with that white girl, and blah, blah. but then we we lose this this legend in basketball, and and apparently I didn't realize how great his touch was everywhere else outside of the basketball game for people. But you lose this person who's meant so much to so many, and it's like everybody forgets about how they felt before. That bothers me, but I couldn't get mad because I'm like, well, maybe those people just allowed the evolution. Because I was one of those people, I stopped liking Kobe for about two and a half seasons because when that whole thing happened, he came out and was like, well, nobody says anything to Shaq when he does stuff like whatever stuff yeah. he'd be doing. So I was mad at him for that because I loved Shaq. Shaq was yeah. larger than life for me, so I was huge on Shaq. But I got to thinking later on, you know, and I was like, there's a whole lot of people that have done stuff that, have done stuff that right. they regret. Right. He didn't rape the woman. Number one, all he did was cheat it. Yeah. People cheat all the time. So I'm not mad at him for cheating. I was mad at him for throwing Shaq under the bus. Right. Take the take the pressure off me. Put take, on somebody. Yes. Else. And it was just because he was young. He probably didn't know how to handle all the criticism. He was getting enough on the basketball court. Right. So now you're attacking his personal character. I'm sure he just responded stupidly, but he responded. And I'm like, man, everybody deserves an opportunity to grow. And get better. Yeah. So with that same mindset, bringing it back to this topic, I think what you said is so brilliant, sneaky brilliant. Like there's got to come a point when you interact with somebody, maybe they were a Nazi or their people were, maybe they believe in the concepts or philosophies of a Hitler. Maybe they are are a uh, uh, white nationalist or, or something else. You know, the uh, I forget the name of the group, Um, the Aryan Nation or whatever else that doesn't like black people. And you come into contact with this person. They they have an opportunity to change and to grow. Well, not change, but they have an opportunity to evolve. Yeah. So it's like we understand that racism exists. We understand that there's some despicable people out there. We also understand that we as a culture are far too forgiving. But. Where do you draw the line with forgiveness, holding on or maintaining the the feelings of anxiety that cause other feelings against his folks versus allowing them an opportunity to get better and being willing whenever that time comes to to help to facilitate that evolution if possible. Yeah. Like yeah. Where, where do you where do we draw the line? Because I'm with you. I hate that we're so forgiving all the time because it gives license to continually treat us a certain way. Exactly. But there's so much energy that it takes to hold on to those feelings in certain instances. Like, and I know I told the story before, but real quick, when, when I forget his name now, but there was the brother that got killed in front of the convenience store at night. Um, oh, uh, Gar- is that Gardner? Uh, not Gardner. Um, not Eric Gardner. He was New York. It was, um, and I, I forget his name every time. I feel so bad, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. And he was on his Sterling, stu- Alton Sterling, Alton Sterling. Yes, thank you. He was on his stomach, both arms behind his back, and they still shot him. So it was like after that, it broke me down. Like the next morning, I, 
I was crying in the morning and I'm just like, why do they hate us so much? And I was so angry and I was like, it's got so much control over my emotions. Where do I draw the line between giving someone else that control and not being docile and forgiving to allow the things to continually happen? Right. That's where I don't know. Even today, right now, I, I teeter back and forth between the two. Yeah. Because I want to be willing to allow somebody that room to grow. But at the same time, I got my, my, my fist up like by any means necessary. Right. So it's just I, I'm stuck right there. So what, what would you say to that? You know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack right there. And this is I'm going to just say how what I would do. Right. I, I have to essentially get rid of the Botham gene effect. Yes. And that and, you know, I'm not talking about. Botham Gene directly is him. I mean, I, I don't know much about him. I know what happened to him, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about when I say the, the gene effect, I'm talking about his brother, right? Yeah. Like I have to critically think about situations. And then I have to, once I critically think I have to speak with purpose mm-hmm. and that's how I have to do it. And just by critically thinking, and then knowing what not to say and knowing what to say will help me. That That's what helps me. Yeah. Because then if I am talking to you and we have a situation, if I've already thought about it and I, and in full transparency, I have just started doing this more recently. And I don't know if it's because I'm older, <laughs> but if I am going to reply to you, if you ask me something that's something like super serious or what I believe or perceive to be serious I may not respond to you on that day. Right. I need to think about it. Yeah. Because I don't want to say something out of bounds. Yeah. And I don't want to say something just out of line. So right. that is what I would do. That's good. I like because because and, and I you, that's a good point bringing up Botham Jean's brother because Botham his brother his brother basically perpetuated the privilege psychology that white folks don't always, I, I believe they don't always realize that they have. Yeah. He went beyond, he didn't do the critical thinking part, which is okay. I don't hate you. And that's fine. Yeah. If you forgive her and you don't hate her, that's fine. But for you to say she should be above the law so much so that she shouldn't even go to prison. Now you have just created that privilege. Yeah. And you've taken that backseat, second-class citizen, that three-fifths of a man role in this situation by allowing her to do this heinous act, especially after the details were released about her behaviors leading up to yeah, what she was doing, what she was thinking, where her mind was. All of that. And you're talking about she shouldn't even go to jail. Yeah. Like, not, We're going to make her above the law? Yeah, we, we we have to critically think in we situations have to. like that. Have so, to. So we we literally have about a minute and a half left. Okay. Uh, anything you would like to tell the people before we leave? Thirty seconds. Go. Final thought, real quick. <laughs> uh, yes. So, people, I think I think there's a couple of really good takeaways here. Critically thinking through situations all the time. If you suspect racism, take a step back, think about it. If you see things that look like racism, document. If you interact with somebody and it gets a little uh, a little heated, document. But document all of it. Don't make it all about somebody else. What they did, what you did. Time, date, names, who saw it. Yep. Put all that in there. Protect yourself, but also stand up on your principles. If you see somebody being done wrong, especially when it's got to do with a race, don't sit there and be quiet. Say something. Otherwise, you're perpetuating the stereotype. You're creating the Botham Gene brother situation where yep. you're perpetuating the privilege psychology. Well, and I'll say this. Listen to what Joel said. Because <laughs> you don't want that gene effect. No, that's that's my new thing, the gene, gene effect. effect. You don't want that to, to happen to you. I like that. Cause, and that's how I think about it. And maybe that situation helped me to do that. But yeah, but yeah listen to what Joel said. And um I guess we'll be back next week. We'll knock something else out. So we will. Hopefully, my, my brother Henry will be here. Hopefully, hopefully. So we ain't got nothing else to say. So we out. Peace.